Town Hall Academy, episode 67. As shop owners and as business people, we have to pivot to adjust to the customer who's very uneducated about the cars and the repairs and the whole process. And to them, why can't I just walk up to the counter like at Starbucks and get what I want? Because yeah. that's what they're used to. And, and this is not that way. You can't just walk up and get your car fixed that way. So there's questions that have to be asked. There's details. There's downtime. There's inconvenience that, and, and cars never break at the convenient time. I've never had a customer come in and say, I was just hoping for the car to break down now. <laughs> Today's a beautiful day. I think I'll go get my car fixed. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Welcome, automotive aftermarketers, to a Remarkable Results Radio Town Hall Academy. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Hello, and welcome to the Remarkable Results Radio Town Hall Academy, your only weekly forum where we, your panel, bring a fresh and innovative discussion to inspire your personal growth and development. Now, you're in episode 67 on training your team to embrace and understand your ideal customer, your avatar. Carm Capriato here thanking Jasper Engines and Transmissions for the support of the Town Hall Academy. Now, Jasper has over 2,000 associates, three manufacturing facilities, two distribution centers, and 45 branch offices across the country. They're all working to produce, transport, and deliver the perfect product, and that's what they do best. Keep customers happy so you can. Hey, and big news about a select group of Town Hall Academy podcasts that are now available for AMI elective credit. Now, if you're staying current with your AMI designation or working toward your professional designation, go to a special page, remarkableresults.biz slash AMI, and see how listening to the Academy episodes can earn you AMI elective credits. Hey, there's many ways to subscribe to the podcast, up to and including my own app, available for Apple and Android. Just search for Remarkable Results Radio on your app store. It's free. You'll like how it works. Hey, it's time to tell a friend about the podcast. Now, I guarantee they will thank you. We're really delivering the type of content that will elevate all who work in and for the aftermarket. You don't need to get fancy or worry about sending them a URL or a dynamic link to an episode. Just tell your friend to Google Remarkable Results Radio. That's all you need to do. They'll thank you for it. Hey, today's episode is part two of a two-parter on your ideal customer. In part one, our panel outlined the value of having an ideal customer profile, sometimes called an avatar. This episode takes the discussion to another level and builds upon the way to engage your people on integrating your ideal customer strategy into your daily business. Now, after you listen to this, go back to part one, Town Hall Academy, episode 56, and listen again. They are perfect bookends if you want clarity on selecting and recognizing your ideal customer. Take the talking points from each episode and create your plan on how to capture and integrate your ideal customer profile into your business culture. Hey, there are so many great ideas shared in both sessions. Find the episode's talking points and my guests' extended bios in a link to their previous episodes at RemarkableResults.biz slash A067. With me for part two is Ron Enchosti from Coast Motorworks, multi-shop owner from Huntington Beach, California, Patrick McHugh from Bimmer Rescue, Richmond, Virginia, and Brian Weeks from ATC Auto Center in Augusta, Georgia. A very rich and rewarding panel discussion to help you grow by targeting the ideal customer for your business. First question goes to you, sir. What's the big deal about the fundamental changes in understanding the business? Well, first, let me start with uh, thanks for having me, Carl. Yeah, no problem, um, man. Good to have you. And uh, it's always a pleasure. And um, uh, I think spreading the, 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 the news of, of how to run a, an effective business is certainly important in this industry. Um, as most of us are all just mechanics turned business owners. So I think my, my point of that was uh, fundamental changes in understanding of the business is that it's hard for technicians, uh, which can make up most of our, of our workforce to understand that we're actually a customer service business and that, you know, we just happen to fix cars. And that's really the, the fundamental difference between uh, how they see the business and how the business actually is. So the, the concept of the, the avatar is certainly something that, um, that, does not play into their idea of, of the business. They just feel like 
bring in the cars. Anyone with a BMW in our, in our case or a Mini Cooper in our case uh, is, is considered business. And that's not necessarily true um, that there are good customers and not so good customers and that there are um, ideal customers. And that's, that's what we want to focus our energy on. But um, that fundamental start of customer first, you know, customer service first, and then we fix the cars. You're in a in front of your team technicians, and you're going over this avatar, this ideal customer, glassy eyed. I mean, <laughs> oh yeah, totally, totally. The the pushback that we get, uh, especially from the the, the service writers, the, the the shop foreman who who talk to customers daily, those people um, push back the hardest because they they don't understand this in the sense that we have a, basically a customer that we want to focus all of our, our collective energy on. We want to make sure that this customer is the person that we focus every bit of marketing, the, 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 the feel of the business, the look of the business, the smell of the business, everything. And they think that, you know, their, their pushback is, is that we're alienating all these other customers. Obviously that's not the case. We, we just have not tailored it for, let's say them exactly, they, but they, there's always overflow in the business of, um, of marketing. You have the bell curve and you, you, you hope to uh, focus all of your energy on the, on the peak of that bell curve and then get everything on either side as well. So is there an eventual, oh, I get it, boss? I think so, but it takes time. It takes time. It, it's a good, you know, possibly years before they start to really understand it. It took me time to understand it. Um, it took me time to, to, to really go all in and, uh, and, and believe it. And it was, uh, it was certainly something that, that was approached to me. And, and, and it was, it was the examples were given to me as to, you know, who, who in business does this and the successful businesses do it and it, and it works. Great. Uh, thanks for being so transparent. Patrick, you had a pivot in 2017. Was it, was it kind of like what Ron is saying? Well, sort of. My perspective is totally different than Ron's. I'm not a technician. I, I wasn't in that world um, ever, which is which is a struggle for me sometimes. Was also a good thing in many ways too. When I came into my shop, when I I had a huge pivot in um, in 2017. Basically, um, we we brought in some some real high level technicians. We were using like apprentice style technicians that were working under me. And I've got some basic skills, but you know. We, were, we, we brought in some really top techs, some really, really good people. And the minute they got here, they looked around at the cars that we had in our shop and they were like, I don't know, this, this doesn't seem familiar to me. We're talking dealer technicians that worked at BMW. Um, and we, we struggled for a long time. I was trying to get these, these guys to work on these old classic BMWs and it was just all falling apart every time. And it was this conflict we had in our shop constantly. And one day we sat down and I had a huge meeting and basically I told them, Hey, this isn't working. You know, it's not working out. What do we need to do? And their answer was, we want newer cars. We want the cars that we're familiar with. We want the cars that we know we can make more money on, which is the, the modern newer cars. We're talking cars that were just off warranty up to about 10 years old or so. Um, their BMWs, their minis, their Audis. Um, and the, the whole pivot happened and we, we flipped our shop's identity over. We, we, we stopped being the old car shop. We stopped being the shop you bring your old car to that has 250,000 miles on it. And we started being the shop you bring your just off warranty BMW to. And that's our identity today and it's a better place to be. But the whole point I'm trying to make here is, is this whole pivot happened and, and it really wasn't my idea. Like I went around in my shop and I asked them, my people, so basically rewrite the whole title of this podcast. It shouldn't be for me training your people to embrace and understand the avatar. It was your people training you to embrace and understand the avatar. My people knew what cars they did the best on. And my advisors knew what customers they were the most effective with and appreciated them the most. All I had to do turns out was ask them, hey, Tex, point around the shop and point out the cars you want here that, that you make good money on. And they pointed at three out of 10 cars. And I went to the advisors and point at the people who, who seem to love us and seem to really like our shop. And they pointed to three out of 10 customers. And then we just discovered the avatar and just started pounding those people and pounding those cars to come into our shop. And it, 
it caused a whole pivot in our our whole organization. It changed everything. Great story. Brian, uh, you guys know who your avatar is. We talked about it in episode 56 in part one. Start the discussion with us as to exactly how you said, hey, we, we, we have this cardboard cutout. We know who our ideal customer is. How did you start building, as you call it, the customer trust journey? Um, you know, that started back uh, with us. And like Ron said, it takes so much time. Um, you know, we were a transmission shop and went through a rebranding process and eventually got to the point to where we centered everything we did so much around our avatar that when we built our second location, it was all about all the way to the footprint of the building, the glass and the doors, everything was centered around the avatar. So um, through the process, we created a customer trust building journey. And what that is, is we look and say, all right, uh, everybody's got their idiosyncrasies of how they react when certain things are happening. So we broke it down in seven steps, anywhere from, you know, take the, the person next door that's having a problem with their car and what are they thinking? What are they doing? How are they feeling? And you break that down into each section, even before they call. So when you look and say, all right, uh, I need service on my minivan. You know, we look at our avatar and say, well, we know that there's a good possibility that there it's going to be a early uh, 40s female soccer mom, you know, going through the whole process. The first thing she says is, all right, my car's due for service. What do I do? Creates this anxiety. I don't have time for that. That's an inconvenience for me. So we looked at each step of that process of saying, okay, from that initial thought, has she heard about us? If she did hear about us, hopefully it's somebody that has done business with us before. So she says, okay, let me look out and see who these guys are. I got referred to them by my friend. What does their website look like? What is, you know, starting from the incubation basically and then bringing them all the way through the entire process till they finally call when they make the call that's the pre-purchase so the pre-purchase you've got the connection and you've got uh, the call so they're thinking about it now they make the call we design everything around okay what are they doing what are they thinking how do they feel each step of our process from the customer walking in the door. And then from that point, you pick up and you go to the purchase side of it, which is they arrive, um, then they're waiting, or if they're a waiting customer or whatnot, and then to uh, the delivery of what we do. You have this detailed, Brian. Yes. It'd be great if you could share this with uh, with with our listener, uh, if you'd be so kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can is, do that. Is this proprietary? Parts of it, yes, but parts of it, no. I mean, it's uh, the outline's big enough that you know. You would you be willing to to share it on the show notes page? Yes, we can do that. I can actually show you. A, oh, look I mean, at, it's, look at that. It's, it's nice. beautiful. So, so here's here's the impressive it. part. We realized how important defining our ideal customer is, and that's great. And so that's that's hanging up there like the sun every day or the moon every night. Right. What do we do about it? And that's what this show is about. Thank you for getting into the details. Ron, you, you got to teach your people how to spot this customer when they walk in the door. Take us, take yep. us through a, you know, t- take us through a coaching moment. I really think the, um, the, the key is, is to listen, you know, in, in our business, you know, again, going back to sort of the mechanics of it, of it um, the focus often from the writer or the shop foreman is to start thinking about the car as this customer's talking, thinking about what's wrong with the car, thinking about, you know, what do I ask them next that's going to lead me towards the direction of the fix of this car? And instead, they're not really listening to the customer. Time out. You said thinking about the car, not the customer. Did I, did I pick up on that? Yeah, they're, 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 they're thinking about the customer or the car versus the customer. And we need to be thinking about the customer. And, and that's the difference. So having um, the, the, the first thing on their mind be, okay, where does this customer need to be? What's, you know, is a customer need a vehicle? Obviously this car is either broken or needs service and it's, and it's going to be a big inconvenience for them. So do we need to get them in a rental car? And that's the, the so when you're, when you're, when you're asking those sorts of questions to the customer immediately, then you're putting them at ease. Okay, these people are thinking about my needs, not necessarily just the car. And that that's first 
first and and uh, sort of like the 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 first bullets that go through the air are are the the listening to the customer. The second is obviously identifying uh, whether or not this customer fits into the criteria of our avatar. Do are they the about the right age? Are they driving about the right vehicle? Are they are they um, asking the right questions? Such as you know, rather than how much is this going to cost? It's more when can I get my car back? Um, you know, how how what's your warranty like? Think questions that are they've already committed to having us do the repairs. They're less concerned about the the, the price or the comparable um, details of us in another shop. They're more concerned about their own personal needs. You know, when am I getting my car back? How you know how long is this, this repair going to take? It's and how much are you guys going to stand behind that repair? You know, how how are you going to make me feel secure that you guys are taking care of my 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 needs, not the car's needs, my needs. And so, when it, when the rider um, is listening to this, they can use that to help identify that's that okay. This is a person that's really kind of starting to sync up with us, and um, and then once that's you've established that, or the once the rider has established that, then of course. The next step is to really sort of pull them into our, our business to really help them become av- you know, advocates of the company. And, um, and with that, it's, it's talking to them about stuff totally unrelated to the car, you know, asking them questions about their family and, and, and what they do and, you know, where they go and what do they be, you know, what's their plans for the summer's vacation, um, things like that. So that it's, it's less about the car and it's more about making them feel at ease. I'm with Ron Haugen of Westside Auto Pros. Hey, Ron, why purchase a Jasper engine for your customer's car? Uh, the, the main reason we use Jasper is is they're known for quality, and we're known for quality. They line up with my company and my, and my company's commitment to our customers uh, you know, as a product. They're committed to me. Hey, Ron, are customers investing in their vehicle today? Absolutely. You, you know, we, we see the surveys from, from AAA and, and, and all the different people out there where the average age of a car on the road is 11 years old. Some are even saying 12 now. Uh, when you think about that, for every new car sold, that means there's a 22-year-old car being driven on a daily basis. To me, that's amazing. Uh, the only way we get an average age of a vehicle on the road like that is because people are reinvesting in a car. And, and I think the reason they're reinvesting in a car is, is the cost of a car. I mean, cars are 30, 40, 50, 60,000 dollars. You know, why not drop four, five, six, eight thousand dollars into repowering the vehicle and get it back on the road? Hey, Ron, thanks for your insights on Jasper. Thanks for asking. Guys, let me just be a naysayer. This is just too damn sophisticated for me. <laughs> Are you kidding me? This is what I have to do in order to go into the bays and fix cars and earn a living? Where didn't I wake up and read? What what seminar didn't I attend? You got to be kidding me. This is what I have to do in order to make money in the car repair business? You know, I would have to say that um, the intrinsic trust when it comes to your mechanic is lost. It's been lost for probably a generation at least. And, um, you know, we, we grew up, I would have to say my parents probably didn't teach me enough about it, but, you know, I think my parents, their parents taught them that, you know, you, you find a mechanic, you trust the mechanic, you bring your vehicle to them and they do the work and they get it fixed and they, they, you pay them. And, and that's that. Um, I don't think that, that that's, that's being taught anymore to the customer. So what's happening is, is, is like, like Patrick said, we, we pivot. So as, as shop owners and as business people, we have to pivot to adjust to the customer who's very uneducated about the cars and, and the repairs and the whole process. And to them, why can't I just walk up to the counter like at Starbucks and get what I want? Because yeah. that's what they're used to. And, and this is not that way. You can't just walk up and get your car fixed that way. So there's questions that have to be asked. There's details, there's downtime, there's inconvenience that, and, and cars never break at the convenient time. I've never had a customer come in and say, I was just hoping for the car to break down now. <laughs> Today's a beautiful day. I think I'll go get my car fixed. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I like what you said, Ron, about um, like how everything has changed. And it's almost every other customer that calls us, regardless of if they're, they're our avatar customer or not, is is asking these questions about price. And, and like they're not really asking about price. They're asking a different question, you know, and and I 
our guys are, have gotten very good at diverting around that question of price. Hey, how much to get my valve cover gasket and my oil filter stand gasket and my brakes done on my uh, 2011 330i? What they're really asking is, can I trust you? Can I trust right. this shop? Right. And if you just divert straight to answering that question, oftentimes they're You're scheduling lost. an appointment without even asking about price anymore. And yeah. and I, I've for a while we the minute somebody asked about price, we would just clam up and just that was it. And oh, but not our person. But that's not the case. It's that um, these people have been these customers have been almost borderline damaged by our industry. Like. Oh, yeah. they've, they've turned into like people that are just worried about everything. Cause if you call your competition, if you call a local dealership in your town and we did it during a, um, a, a seminar at the world pag expo, you realize very quickly what these people are really going through when they're trying to get service from another place. And, and, and that's where that stuff comes from. And you, you gotta like, it's an educational experience for them and you gotta reach them. You gotta get through to them what is really going on here is my favorite question. Hey, do you yep. mind just leveling with me? Like let's drop the customer service voice and the whole thing. Can you just tell me what's really going on here? Like, I want to help you. That's our favorite line. You know, just tell us what's really happening. And very quickly you realize, Oh, well, I'm actually, it was at the dealer and they said this and this and this. And, and how did you feel about, you know, what, what they were saying? Well, it, it didn't make any sense. And it was really weird. And then we can divert straight to, listen, we have this amazing process we go through called the vehicle health check and consultation process. We take uh, photos of the underside of your car and it lets us almost take you under there with us and show you what's going on. And then the most important part is we're going to offer a consultation based off of your vehicle timeline that you tell us. What do you want from this car? Is your car at the beginning of the vehicle timeline for you? or at the end, because we're going to prescribe different things based off of what you want and what you want to get from your car. It almost empowers the customer a little bit more to get more of what they like. Patrick, does your avatar accept that because you've identified oh them enough? When they hear that, they are like, when, when? That's all I want to know is when and, oh, wait, no, I, I can't. Cause, and then we're like, we have eight loaners. And they're like, okay, I'm, I'm coming in today, you know? And and that's it. And that that answers the question they were really asking, you know, which, which I like. Well, like uh, Carm just said, you know, the only thing that people know how to ask is price because mm-hmm. they don't know anything else. But yep. like he said, you funnel down through your avatar. You've got a, a good basis of what those people are going to ask. And you've already got your processes set up to say, look, let's just have a conversation. Let's just be real with each other. And when that happens, that anxiety level drops and they begin yep. to trust you. They begin to feel yep. comfortable with you. Yep. Yep. Guys, uh, here's what I wrote down because I'm a, I'm a voracious note taker when, when I'm listening to you because I'm, I'm learning at the same time. A great friend of the podcast, Bob Greenwood, says we're a profession, damn it, not a trade anymore, right? And so all I keep hearing is the words, we're professional. And then I wrote down, knowing your avatar gets you through the price question. Oh yeah. Right? Because because if you've if if you've described your ideal customer, you've trained your people, whatever process if it takes one or two years or you know, some hard knocks training to get through, when that price question comes up and you know that this is your ideal customer, you're probably going to respond differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's really there really is only a couple of reasons that somebody's going to call you up and ask for a price. And that's, you know, they're either been told what their car already needs and they've been given a price and they're not trusting that shop to do the repair or they're some sort of a do it yourselfer and they've done a bunch of research online and forums and stuff and they they seem to feel like they know what they what they want. And obviously those are not our our avatars, so we just kind of we can spot them and ignore them pretty quickly. But the ones who don't trust the shop that they took it to and have a list of things that they want us to price, just like Patrick said, we, we, we don't focus on that anymore. Now we're focusing on the trust factor. Why didn't you actually get those repairs done at that shop? You know, what was the reason yeah. that you, you're now calling me? Because yeah. you're looking for somebody you can trust. I agree, Ron. There's been a lot of times where somebody will call and ask about a price. And when you begin to have that natural conversation with them, and you say, well, okay, the car's at the shop. They've told you, have you taken your car there before? Well, yeah, that's where I always take it. 
okay, let's be honest with each other. Why are you calling me? There's obviously yeah. some type of trust that you don't have with them to do this. Well, I just thought it was really expensive. Well, okay, well, let's talk about that. Why, if you trust them, why are we on the phone? You need to go back and tell them, have this conversation with them. And I think, Carm, that's what separates. And you say, why do we have to do this? It really and truly, if you're going to survive and thrive in this business, you're going to have to. But you're going to have to be real. You're not this mechanic that has got this uh, this dark cloud over them anymore. You're a real person. And when you become a real person to those people and that anxiety drops, you're like, okay, we work on cars for a living, but we create relationships, create relationships with your car and with you. And when that happens, the rest of the stuff kind of dissipates. And Carm, if, if you thought this stuff was going away, it's not, it's getting worse. And, and there are forces in our industry, uh, Carfax, RepairPal, things like that, that, that's have just focused on price and price alone. That stuff is changing. And there, there are large industries targeting the opportunities in our industry right now. And it's not going to get any better. So the shops that don't really focus on that stuff are, are going to really struggle in the future. And the shops that do are going to survive and thrive, you know? Become a real person to your customer. Wow, that was like a breakthrough right here. When a technician becomes a real person for their customer. Well, you know, the thing is, you keep talking about technician. Everybody knows that they say, all right, service advisor is where it's at. That's They've got to have the rapport, build a rapport. But from service advisor to technician to porter to anybody in your organization has to fit into your culture. You know, you've got to have core values that line up. And it, it was interesting to us of taking a business where we had people that had been with us 10, 15, 20 years and then open a second location and how eye-opening it was of it's tough enough to find people to want to come into this industry, but really tough when you have to find core values that line up. So you have somebody come in the door to do service with you and a porter that takes them has to believe in what you're doing and know the process and understand the avatar so that they can create a relationship with them. Not only the service advisor, not only the technician, you know, everybody can have bad days, but you walk through the shop or that, that uh, customer's dropping a vehicle off and having to come into the office and a technician's in there having one of his days, he's got to be able to understand that person as well. So it takes yep. everybody in the organization to be able to understand, know, and cater to that avatar. And that culture you're talking about is what people like sense and feel when they come into yes. a store. And and somebody was describing it as it's like the wind. You know, like we've got tools, we've got cars, we've got all this stuff that we can touch in our shop, but that culture is like the wind. You can't you can't you can't see it, but it you can feel it blow by and you can feel it when it's wrong too. Mm-hmm. We went through a rebranding process, oh nine, two thousand ten, and we secret shopped uh everybody in our area. And walking in the door, everybody has the tools and has the tech and has the this and has the that. What, what's going to make you different? And when you understand how people function and take yourself outside of that, you become a completely different business for them to come and visit. Yep. One nice thing we do is we just, we like to tell people that we're different, just like that. And we'll say, listen, I know you were there, but we do things differently here. It's, it's very different and it's very cool. I like, I like to tell people how awesome my consultation is and how awesome the report is. People love this. It's very cool. It's like nothing you've ever seen, you know, so often our competition and other shops don't even sound excited about their own product. Whereas I'm like <laughs> dying to show you what your car is all about. And yeah. people love that. I love where this is going. Uh, building a quality culture, by the way, if you get on the website, uh, remarkableresults.biz, look for the word tag cloud. It's on a bunch of pages. Look for business culture. Click on it. And every episode that has anything to do, Brian, I guarantee you yours uh, for sure, Patrick. I know uh, probably Ron, I, I believe your episodes are probably hidden there underneath the business culture word tag because you guys have done so much to create that. Uh, it goes without saying today, I guess, if you're going to be super, super successful in the top 10%, business culture is a, is an absolute given. Now, does it happen overnight? No. Listen to the episodes that uh, that, that hear the stories. 
Guys, uh, spending time with your avatar. Um, so here we've we've kind of cardboard cutted it out. We're, we're there. If you're doing this knowledge transfer and you're you're engaging your people in it, have you ever said, "Hey, we need to walk a mile in their shoes"? When that person comes in, can we spend some time with them to learn even more about them than we maybe already don't know? Give give, give me some hints on how to embrace and engage. You have to, like you have to almost try and emulate your avatar to really understand how they feel. In our shop, organically, we've started this kind of health kick in our shop. I saw the guys starting to buy salads and not eat out and do fast food anymore. And so I've started buying food. They just take my credit card, they buy whatever they want at the grocery store as long as it's moderately healthy. And we've started that. We started to exercise. We started to do the things that our avatar is probably doing you know, stuff like that. And also when you shop in your own life, I try to make sure that my guys are doing this. I try to do this shop with value. Don't shop with price, you know, live it in your own life at home. When you call to get the roofer on the phone and you call and you get three guys, listen how that the one answers the phone and pick the one that you think is going to help you just off the first phone call. You know, don't ask them how much the roofs generally cost. Don't try to get a ballpark you know, live the walk, the walk, talk, the talk, and, and actually try to live it in your own life. And, and I think that that kind of stuff can, can show you real quick how your person that walks in the door is going to buy as well. I think for us, our entire branding strategy was based around ATC is, you know, started life as Augusta transmission clinic. Um, but we incorporated at the center ATC and you're right, uh, Patrick, when you begin to live, who you truly are, you build that avatar with somebody that you want to deal with. So it's fun. You know, Carm, you, you're talking about, do we need to spend time and know more about these people? Absolutely. That's what makes it so much fun and so easy to deal with because you've created someone that you want to be associated with. And when you want to be associated with them, they want to be associated with you. So it becomes an easy process, a natural process. You know, people, I want to see people out in the grocery store and, oh, hey, how, you know, mm-hmm. how's your van doing? But more importantly, how was the trip to Disney? You know, that that's the type of atmosphere that you need to create. It's a catch 22 as well, though, because if your company isn't really thriving because you don't have this stuff down yet, you may not have the money to pay yourself or pay the people that work for you enough to go join a gym and go buy a new car and you know, and, and feel, feel good about their products and stuff like that. So, you know, keep that as the end game if you don't have that. Good yeah, point. I completely agree. Um, I think walking a, walking a mile in their shoes um, really comes down to just communication and, and conversation and engagement. Um, you know, we can chuckle with our customers and say, you know, Hey, the next time I see you, I don't want to see you when, uh, when your car's broken, I want to see you, at this restaurant, or I want to see you just stop on by and we'll, we'll have a chat and that kind of thing. But, um, I think the, that is, you know, you don't, you don't immediately make friends with somebody that, that, that's a business person or that that's a customer of yours. You, you have to build on it. Um, the trust obviously is, is, is made pretty quickly as far as what you do, they trust you. They, they, they intrinsically at some point say, okay, this, this place is my place to get my car repair. But to take it a step further, now that you've you've got your avatar, you're they're in your shop. They're 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 spending money at your shop, and they're and their repairs are getting completed, and everything's everyone's happy. Now to take it the step the next step, which is that you know we talked about this briefly in the last episode, which was uh, the advocacy. How do we get this person to do our advertising for us? How do we get this person to refer us more customers, more avatars? Um, whenever I get a customer that comes in that uh, I just had a customer came in today. She's actually in our waiting lounge right now. And uh, her coworker is one of our avatars. And she was referred to us by the coworker. Well, the coworker came with her just to literally introduce her to us. Oh my and, gosh. Yeah. That's great. And, and, and you know, and, and said, look, these, pl- these people are awesome. And I'll stick around if you want. We can, you know, we can just chat. And so just, it, that doesn't obviously happen very often, but uh, it was really interesting. And, and I was able to see these two people interact and, and they were talking about their, their work and, and various things. But, um, 
But whenever I get a customer that comes in, it's been referred to us by somebody else. I love to ask them, tell me a little bit about that. Was this a friend? I mean, that, that, <laughs> that or was it a coworker? Um, and where do you work? What do you guys do? What, what, you know, what makes you trust this, this person for your, you know, re- referral of car repairs? And, um, and sometimes it's just, you know, well, we were talking around the, the, the coffee room and I was complaining about how this shop didn't do me thing, you know, didn't do things right. Um, or, you know, this other person is literally an advocate and they're basically walking around the shop and saying, Hey, do you have a BMW? Do you have a BMW? <laughs> <laughs> I have the shop for you. And, um, and I love that. I love to, to find those kind of customers because, um, it's, they're so excited about what we do and they're, they're so willing to share that excitement. That's called bring a friend to the shop day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ron, we've had a situation like that as well. A lady with the uh, Dodge Caravan. It's got the notorious problems with the uh, lifters and camshafts. She's sitting in the car line uh, waiting to pick her kids up. A lady in front of her has got the van. She hears the same noise, jumps out, <laughs> runs up, tells her, you have got to go to ATC to get them to fix they this noise. Fix they just So it is. it feels good when it's like that. It doesn't happen very often, but it really feels good when it's like that. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Guys, let's go to the uh, the core piece here of, of our discussion. How easy is it to train your people? I, I want to say that it's about as easy as it is to train um, you know, to train a dog to, to, to go through this whole routine. It, it takes time. It's one, one step at a time. And it's, you know, when they see the, the results of that step and it pays off for them, um, we show them, Hey, look that, you know, th- this is working. This, this, this idea that you, this, the way you're communicating to these customers is actually working. The customers are writing great reviews for you. They're, your, your average RO is going up, your, your customer, you know, happiness level, if you want to call it that is, is, is better. So this, these things start to, to improve and, and yeah, they, they may, they may slide back a little bit. Sometimes they have a bad day. We all do. And, and they're not really interested in gate and in, in particularly engaging with customers that day. And then they see the results of that too. And they go, well, I didn't sell anything today or I didn't do real well today. And it's like, okay, well, you see how your personality, you know, reflects on the customers if it's not there. And um, in regards to the, the, the non-customer service side of things, you know, out in the shop, that's the stuff where training the guys, the little things that matter, topping off the windshield washer fluid, checking to make sure those windshield washer jets are clear, making sure that the seat goes back to where it was, that there's no footprints on the, they don't mess with the radio, that kind of, the little things. And they're standing there scratching their head going, why does that matter? I'm like, it does matter to the customer. It doesn't matter to you or I. It's just like when things don't necessarily go right. When the best examples are always when something goes wrong. And let's say the customer's uh, back for something and it was related to something we did. Um, So we did some repair, the car's back. Now the customer's upset. Well, once the problem is resolved, the technicians in the, in the technicians' mind, because it's so easy for them, it just comes naturally for them. Hey, well, that was easy. I'd just fix that and turn this wrench and tighten up this bolt, and it was fixed. It was no big deal. Well, it is a big deal to the customer, mm-hmm. and and it, you have to like constantly push that onto the technicians and say, you understand that this customer's life was interrupted. Let's let's try that. Let's try that for example. Uh, it's five o'clock. I'm going to go out and I'm going to pull a coil connector off of one of my my employee's cars, and he's got some place to be. Now you understand. You got to go pick up right. your kid. Oh, they, yeah, you're going to be late. I don't know what's going on with your car. I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, and and, yeah. and, it, and suddenly they're like, oh, and they're grabbing their phone. They're calling their wife, and it's and and I said, now you understand the disruption in people's lives when their car is not working. I just yeah. had a, I just had a golf, you know, in golf, there's a swing thought, you know, nice. you, you was it Caddyshack, the movie they said, be the ball. Remember be the ball. <laughs> be the ball. Remember that? Be the ball. I just wrote down, be the customer. Yeah. yeah. And so if you were trying to get that through the avatar to, to the technician, if you could take your talent as a technician so confident in everything that you know and do, but be the customer. 
I wonder if that's a thought that helps crash through the paradigm of why should why should I care where the seat is? <laughs> well, if, if you know, be the customer. Uh, this is your car. You're, you, yeah. you, what would you do to fix your own vehicle? Well, you wouldn't mess with this and you wouldn't mess with that. You just get to the problem. So don't do that because this isn't your vehicle, but be the customer. The customer. It's a moving target. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're only some... as good as the last time that they walked in that door. Right. Yep. Yep. And and you could do you could do a a, a massive repair. You know, we have these these valve seal jobs on V8s and you could be doing working three or four days on, on a vehicle, doing all kinds of oil leaks and fixes and everything else. And the customer picks up their car and everything we did on them under the hood is perfect. But one little thing like a little spot of grease on the door panel and it totally puts a shadow yep. on the entire process. Well, it, it also brought another swing thought that I had is that, you know, if you ever had any surgery and you know, you're, you're out for it and then you get up and you had no idea what was going on for those two or three hours, whatever it was right. that you were under. And then you get up and you say, well, there's just this little stitch over here. I'm not sure exactly what happened, but I guess I'm going to be okay. And and you're yeah. right. It, it's it's the detail. It's the depth of, of, of the work that's done that is never noticed by the customer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's, and it's not appreciated. And it's, and it's partly because the, that lack of, of appreciation from the customers is is generally you can point the finger back at a writer because mm-hmm. the writer's not not giving the customer all of the information and, and explaining to the customer why this is this repair was so complex and what all we did. You know, yeah. once those eyes start to gloss over on the customer, then the then the writer shuts up and oh, we're we're done here. You know, they said okay, so we're done. But yeah. in the end, you have to keep reselling. You have to keep telling them you know, this is a big job. We, we've worked on this thing for three days now and your engine was completely taken apart. And my technician, you know, couldn't be bothered. We, we had to turn the radio down. So he was, so he could focus yeah. on your car. And, and after it's that, that's all completed. And when they picked up their car and we show them all the, all the old parts and, you know, it's a big box of things and we show them everything that we've replaced and they get an opportunity to see it. And then, then this all kind of, it plays a big, huge part because now this customer walks out to the car and the fact that it's maybe the seat's not where it used to be or the radio station's not where it was or the, maybe even the date didn't get set after we had the battery disconnected. Mm-hmm. Little things like that suddenly get overlooked and they come back and they, hey, by the way, it looks like you guys forgot to set the date and time. Oh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. We go out there, we've set it. And as we're setting it, you know, we had the battery disconnected because we had this thing been here for three days and when we're setting a, setting a clock in time and the customer's going, I get it. I get it. You guys are human. We do make mistakes, but hopefully you, you yeah. focused all your energy on the important stuff. The important stuff. And you're right. They think they correlate that grease smudge or that not setting the clock to poor quality they didn't do that simple yeah. thing. What did they do under the hood of my car? Okay. Yeah. I get the fact that it was three or four days worth of work, but gosh, you know, uh, this was a simple little thing. I hope the rest of it's okay. It's like having a spelling error in, in an email, a really long, important email, you know, if you can't get that right, <laughs> yeah, you can't even spell right. the word cat, why can't he, uh, you know, what's he going to be able to do with my car? <laughs> right. Oh, God, don't even bring that up. I mean, some of the podcast alumni are such good spellers <laughs> that I get put on the carpet all the time about that. And I, I work so hard at that. Quality <laughs> control, guys. QC, right? A uh, bunch of podcasts and discussions. Yeah about that. Patrick, you brought something up on your talking points that I found fascinating. What happens when we get the right avatar with the wrong car or wrong so, timeline? You know, we're, we're constantly get we get a lot of the right avatar in now, but we, every now and then we'll get this person that's the right person, but in the wrong car. Maybe they're, they're driving a really old car still hanging on to it for some reason. It, at some point, that car has reached the end of their vehicle timeline. And when it gets real close, there can be a lot of conflict and a lot of stress. Sometimes we'll just say, listen, you know, it's time to treat yourself. We're going to walk you into this a, a store called CarMax. We're going to get you a three-year-old BMW. We're going to start the timeline over again for you. We're going to help you do that. We'll do a pre-purchase inspection on that car to make sure you're getting a winner. And then we're going to get you, um, you know, restart the timeline. So we don't just let that person fall off and go away. We try to get them back into the right car so that 
we can keep helping them. You, know, you like our shop, right? Yes, you do. You like everything we do for you. Let's keep doing that. Like we're going to buy it. You know, it's time to treat yourself to a car that's not only safer, but it's going to have less problems along the way that we're going to enjoy working on better. And it's not going to be so much stress and conflict. I love you know? it. It's at the dinner table, right? And I'm sitting down and I say, my husband, Patrick says, I'm going to go get a new car. <laughs> you know what? He said to treat myself. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, <laughs> what do you guys think of that? I complete, I, I completely agree. I mean, it's, it happens. It happens all the time. Um, we have some fantastic advocates and, uh, and, you know, I, I think I'm I'm a little bit le- a little bit hesitant to push them into a different car, um, and sometimes that that's uh, to my disadvantage because obviously some of these older cars can be can be difficult to work on. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think that um, that's that's a that's a very good point. I, never, I hadn't really put all, all of that together in, in in the same succinct way that that Patrick just described. Um, you help and, them. It's an advisorship role. It becomes an advisorship yeah. role. I mean, we do, we do all the time help customers get get into into cars. But yeah. um, I've never like thought about. I got a couple of customers. I would, I would, I should pick them up the phone and say, "This time <laughs> for you to get that or that yeah. car, we're going to get you something different." Um, to me, being a father yeah. now, yeah, safety is the biggest thing. I I don't want my customers driving yeah. around in fifteen year old safety technology you know i want side curtain airbags in the front and rear i want airbags all over i want modern technology you know like if you're going to have a classic car an older car like that maybe you keep it keep it in the garage as a a fun toy but let's daily drive safer and more modern cars you know they're better for everybody in my opinion yeah i'm sold where do i meet you yeah (laughs) yeah exactly well, and this this was this was absolutely uh, off the charts. You know, we, we kind of thought we would go have some fun with this in in part two, and and I have actually um, learned a lot myself. Hey guys, uh, this was a blast. Let's go around the room, and you know, I know there's there's so many things we could have talked about, <clears throat> and who knows, maybe we need to do part three someday. Uh, let this thing uh, incubate and, and have some fun out there uh, on on the website and all the listening apps. Brian, uh, you really sent me this this fabulous seven step approach, and in, in 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 essence, it's just like a slam dunk. So thank you. I'll I'll just put them in the show notes, and people can go That's there right. and, and check check it out, and at least give them a, a starting blueprint as to uh, how to uh, build customer trust. The, the, the journey, the 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 service journey that that you use in your place. Right. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, so, listen, we'll we'll do Brian, Patrick, and Ron. You could sum it up, uh, Brian. Any final words on this? You know, embracing the avatar inside your company. Well, first of all, thank you again for uh, having me on. I really enjoyed. I learn a lot. Uh, learn a lot from you, Patrick, Ron, any uh, of the podcasts I've listened to. So, thank you for what you do for the thank industry. Thank you, man. Uh, great job. Um, I, I think the biggest thing is is you've got to stop. Uh, money's important. Everybody's got to have money to, to function. But if you stop and you put people ahead of what you're doing and create relationships, the money part of it will follow. And in order to do that and do it um, efficiently and for everybody to win, I think you need to create an avatar so that it makes your days better. When you get up and deal with 90% of who you really want to deal with, because, again, it's not uh, separating somebody out and say, well, I don't want to deal with them. That's, that's not what this is about. This is about focusing all of your attention, all of your money, all of your advertising, marketing dollars on who you want to draw in. There's going to be ancillary people that come in from the side that are great, and they, you may create a friendship from that. But it makes life a lot easier with everybody in the same boat rowing in the same direction great brian thanks patrick yeah i'm with brian there and any any other way you're pulling the wagon in multiple directions let's all go the same directions towards the same you know the same avatar customer uh in our shop this all came at me differently since i haven't been a technician i haven't really been in this industry and my big takeaways are to let it be kind of an organic thing if you try to shove this down people your employees throats it's going to explode in your face. Let it come from them. They may know better than you like what to do here and what, what you really want and what cars you want. And if they tell you, I want these cars, 
and you bring those cars in, they're going to make it work and they're going to like, they're going to connect with it and, and make it happen. And, and like so many cool things have just come out of the woodwork. I, I wanted to put the business cards of the customer. Uh, we had, our technicians have business cards. I wanted to put one in each car with a little note on the back and they didn't really do it. But one day some technician started doing it, but he took it to the next level. He started putting a sticker too. We have these like stickers um, and writing a note and let don't try to like make them do this stuff or it, it won't work. You know, let them come across it in their own way. And it takes time. It's, it's an ongoing, a moving target. Like Brian said, it, it's never gonna, you know, be, you know, a formula to do it. It's, it's kind of a magical thing. Thanks for that. My takeaway with your comments, Patrick, was pull versus push. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you know what, when it's someone else's idea, <laughs> And you could, you know, you can steer the, the, the reason of having me. Well, why, why should we have a company meeting? Well, anybody got any great idea? Something worked, and now you. And, and if someone finally is landing in where your strategies and tactics are in the company, and you say, "Hey, I love that idea," you're just, you've been waiting for somebody to come up with it, right? And, <laughs> yeah. and and so you're pulling the ideas up through instead of pushing them down. Now, there's a little bit of push down that you have to do, but if it's all that you're 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 not going to have a happy team and if the culture is right people first those ideas bubble up and through and yep. it and you can you can pull great ideas thank you so much for that ron i'll let you have the last word i want to say thank again thank you again carm and um patrick and brian it's always great i think uh i think about episode 13 we'll uh we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll see brian with the even bigger mustache than we than he has now <laughs> <laughs> that's all right I just want to reaffirm to the people who are watching that um, this this concept of what I like to call cardboard cutout, or as Carm uses it, and, and Cecil and some other people in the business like to use it as a, the avatar. This concept flat out works. It just works um, when you know your customer, then your customer knows you, and your business is is will thrive. Um, all the best businesses in the world do this this way and it, and it just flat out works. The concept of getting your your employees to buy into this is, is the challenge and, um, and training and training and training um, is, is just something that we just have to do as business owners and as managers, as babysitters for our employees. Um, and it's just, uh, I think that you have to completely commit to it. You have to believe in it. And once you do, um, you know, the, that culture will slowly work its way through the business, whether it's from the top up or top down or from the, the bottom up, it's, it's, it doesn't really matter to me. I, I guess I'm looking at it from, do I want to see this organically move its way through the company in a, in a good way? And, um, I think that, uh, by my sticking with it and, and, and focused on this cardboard cutout and the, this, this, this person, I think that it shows immediately through the business and its business and the success of the business. Thank you so much, Ron and Chosty, Coast Motor Works, Patrick McHugh, Bimmer Rescue, and Brian Weeks from ATC Auto Center. Guys, have a great weekend. Thank you for all your great, great Thank wisdom. You. Thank you, Carm. Thank you so much. See you. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time. 